I don't know about you, but I, uh, I looked out the window this morning and, uh, and saw the frost uh, all over, this heavy frost, and I thought, now this is Christmas, right? <laughs> Not exactly snow, but I guess it's going to be as close as, uh, as close as we get this year. So I have a, a question for you this morning. What do you think of when you hear the word Sabbath? What pops into your head when you, when you hear the word Sabbath? So let me just take a guess. For some of you, when you hear the word Sabbath, like the first thing that you thought of was Sunday, right? Or maybe Saturday if you have, if you have Jewish friends. And if you're old enough, and I, I'm in this category, you still remember on Sundays when everything was closed, right? You, you couldn't go anywhere. In my small town, like even the grocery store was closed. You just, you didn't go anywhere on Sundays because nothing was open on Sundays. Other than NFL and NBA games, there, was, there were no sports, there were no other activities on Sundays. Some of you may find just the very word Sabbath makes you think back and maybe you miss those days a little bit. Uh, some of you, this is another guess, some of you when you hear the word Sabbath, you immediately think of a nap, you know, a good, a good Sunday afternoon nap. In fact, right now you're thinking, yeah, a nap sounds good. In fact, some of you are thinking, well, if, uh, if Pastor Brian isn't very interesting today, maybe a nap right now would be good. I could just call it Sabbath, and that would make it okay to just, you know, sleep right now. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't point out that one of you right now is thinking of the band Black Sabbath, because as long, you, know, you're, you were a heavy metal rocker in the day, and it, that's, this is just what popped up. You didn't mean for it to. Um, I have good news for you. God loves heavy metal rock fans. I just, I just, I want you to know that. And I'll tell you, I'm going to guess this is the only church in the Sunday after Christmas where there is a picture of Black Sabbath on the screen. So it's the only place it's happening. What if I told you that the meaning of Sabbath is actually much more than any of these things that we typically first think about? When we, when we hear the word Sabbath. More than a day of rest, more than a day off, more than a good nap. What if I invited you to imagine that one of the greatest gifts, one of the most life-transforming gifts you could receive this holiday season would be a reintroduction to the, to the very gift of Sabbath that God wants you to have. Let's pray. God of joy and rest, open my lips and speak through them this day. Open our minds and think through them. And open our hearts, Lord, and set them on fire with your love in Christ Jesus. Amen. What's story are you telling with your life? Have you ever thought about this question? The way you live your life, what you say, what you, what you do, how you spend your time, what, what story is your life telling? I might think about it this way. If, um, if we looked at your December calendar, what, what would your calendar tell us about how you live your life? 
I get some of you, it would say, I don't put things in the calendar, it'd be blank. But uh, for those of you that, that keep a calendar, those of you that have a calendar on your phone, if we looked at, at your calendar and, and how you spent your time in December, what story would your calendar tell? What would your calendar say is, is most important for you? What would it say about your values? What would, it, what would your calendar say about your faith, about, about your relationship with God, or about your trust in God? In the, uh, in the books of Exodus and Leviticus, Deuteronomy in the, in the Old Testament, the people of God are being led out of Egypt by Moses, right? Their lives have been defined by the empire of Egypt. They're, every moment of every day was essentially defined by, by this empire. They were working seven days a week. They were working sun up to sun down. They were slaves to their masters, slaves to the empire. And in these stories, they're now free of that slavery. They're free from Egypt, but they're in the wilderness, not yet to the land which God promised. And God is attempting through Moses and through, through the law, through the, through the teaching that Moses is given to share with them. He's He's trying to help them understand what it means to be the people of God, to not have to be defined by an empire any longer, but to be defined by the love of God. One of the hallmarks, one of the centerpieces of that teaching are the Ten Commandments. I'm going to guess there are probably a handful of people here who who could recite all ten of those commandments. They can be found in both the book of Exodus and in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to turn to Deuteronomy for just a moment and take a look at one of these commandments in Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Here's what it says. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you should labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Reflecting on these verses for a minute, we might realize two things. The first is this. This command about the Sabbath from God is in the Ten Commandments. Do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Keep the Sabbath. If we think about that, like, like I hope we can all say, well, I haven't murdered anyone recently, at least. I haven't, I haven't stolen anything recently. But have, have you kept the Sabbath holy? I haven't, by the way. Mm. This leads us to something else really important, the why. Why are God's people to rest on the Sabbath? Deuteronomy says this, to remember. 
Why should they rest on the Sabbath? Because in resting, they remember that God brought them out of Egypt to a new life. God delivered them. They rest on the Sabbath to to realize that God has called them to live by a different code than what they are conditioned to live by, a different culture, a different way of life. And this culture isn't to work and work at the bidding of the powers of the world, but to to spend a day every single week to remember what God has done and to remember that that you, that they, are part of God's story. The prophet Ezekiel, in his book, later in the history of the people of God, he is, he is calling people to turn back to God, and he says something very similar. He says, keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between us. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Practice the Sabbath, Ezekiel says, so that you can remember that God is God and you are not and you need God. That you have a role in in God's story. And see, I, I think often... And when we think of Sabbath, we think of rest, and we think of sleep, and we think of curling up with a good book, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but Sabbath isn't just a day to do nothing or sleep or, or be lazy. Sabbath is remembering what God has done. Sabbath is reconnecting your story to God's story. Sabbath is reprioritizing to make God the most important thing in your life. Let me say that again because it's really easy in a world of being a better you to, to take Sabbath and be like, well, I've got to rest so I can be the best me that I can be. Well, there's some, some truth in that. I've got to rest so that I can recharge my batteries. There is some truth in that as well. But at the heart of, of Sabbath, when God invites God's people to practice Sabbath, God is encouraging something more. Sabbath is about taking time to remember what God has done. Sabbath is reconnecting your story to God's story. And Sabbath is reprioritizing to make God the most important thing. Can I take just a moment today to show you something really really amazing in the book of Genesis. So um, uh, those of you who, who like in-depth Bible study are going to like this, the rest. Just bear with me until we get to the end, because I, I think you'll think this is really neat. So um, here we go. We're going to look at the, the first 11 chapters in Genesis, um, right? We, we know the first 11 chapters is, is sort of all these stories leading up to Abraham. Sometimes it's even thought of as sort of the, the preface to the Bible. It, it sort of sets the foundation for everything that's going to happen after that. And there's stories that we know, right? Creation and Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and, and uh, uh, the Tower of Babel are all in there. So look, look at what happens when we take a, a closer look at these first 11 chapters, right? So I'm just going to walk through the first 11 chapters. So what happens first? Anybody know what happens first in the Bible? Yeah, God creates all that is, the creation story. And at the end of the creation, right, six days of creating, what does God do? 
He rests, right? He, he rests. Creation is full and complete, so God rests. The next story in the Bible is Adam and Eve. And in Adam and Eve, what we, uh, what we see in the story of Adam and Eve is that uh, um, they want to be like God. They want to they know what God knows. Hence, they take the apple off of the tree of, of knowledge of, of good and evil. They don't know when to say enough is enough. In the next story... We get Cain and Abel. And in this story, we see jealousy and we, we see a desire to, to have status and more attention and, and, and more, just more, and it causes Cain to kill his brother Abel. And then we read a genealogy. Right? So it sort of traces the genealogy from here and it, it moves all the way on to Noah. Next, the next story is that Noah is faithful to God, right? And God rests from the destruction of the world, and creation is renewed, right? It's restored. Noah, however, in the very next story, Noah doesn't know when to stop being angry. God stopped his anger and restored creation. Noah doesn't know when to stop being angry, and so he curses his offspring out of his anger. And then we read on, and the descendants of Noah, who are now in Babel, they want power and status and prestige, and so they build a tower to reach up to to God, to be like God, and they end up scattered around the world. And then, anybody guess, want to guess what's next? There's a genealogy. If we look at these 11 chapters, right, we see a story told and then retold. Whenever that happens in the Bible, whenever you see a pattern begin to emerge, it's it's really interesting to look what's at the very middle of the pattern. And in this case, if you look for the very middle of the pattern, you'll realize it. It's the transition from the genealogy to the second telling of the stories. And this is the middle, Genesis 5, 28 and 29, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. And now the cool part, for those of you who are like, okay, I didn't follow all that. This is the part to know. Guess what Noah's name means in the Hebrew language? to rest. At the heart of these stories is Noah, who rests in his trust of God, who rests in the story. Right, what sets Noah apart is that he trusted God's story. I mean, he received this crazy invitation to build an ark, and then the challenge of filling it with animals, and 40 days of flooding, and in all of that story, what we know is that Noah didn't try to make it his own story. He trusted, found his rest in the story of God, and God worked through Noah to to save and renew all of creation. Right? Noah's rest in the story of God allowed God to work through him to restore 
creation. We find this invitation to know that if we will just rest and trust in God's story, we too can participate in God's restoration and renewal of our world. Isn't it amazing how God works through Scripture? So the question becomes, like, what does this kind of Sabbath look like for us today? The kind of Sabbath that brings renewal to us and to the, to the world around us. And yeah, it can include uh, play and naps and, and rest and, and fun. But at the heart of it all, there's, there's so much more to Sabbath, right? Because Sabbath is reconnecting our story to God's story. And this means, like, like Moses, right? For those following Moses, Sabbath, Sabbath was about freeing themselves from the stories of the world that, that sought to control them, the ways of the world that sought to control their lives. What does that look like for us? What is a practice of Sabbath? What, what, what does it look like for you? What, what could you do in your life to not let the stories of comparing and competing and producing and consuming all those all those stories that seek to define us what what would it look like for a couple of hours a week for a day a week to let go of those stories and reconnect to God's story for you sabbath is asking truly really asking ourselves does our story does my story tell of consumption and production and busyness and more than enough? Or does my story tell of rest and peace and trust in God? And if we desire the latter, what is, how do we do this? Like, what happens? What happens if we, uh, if we turn this thing off for an entire day? Are we too important to do this? I, I have thought that on my days off. Like, what if somebody needs to reach me? Will God let the world end because we aren't on Facebook for a day? Can the world keep spinning without us, connected to everything? Do you know, as, as I was preparing for sabbatical and reading a couple of articles, um, one of them said that the average person checks their phone 80 times a day on vacation. Think about that. Not 80 times a day, like the average person checks their phone 80 times a day on vacation comparing, producing, consuming. That's what we're doing on these, right? Or what if we scheduled two or three hours a week for God time, individually or, or with family? No agenda. Just put it in our calendars, two or three hours, and said, this is God time. Unscheduled God time. Wait. Scheduled God time. 
undefined God time. Can we find room in our schedule to, to make God the most important thing for, for two to three hours of our week, let alone a day where we just start small? We know from the earliest accounts of Judaism that the Sabbath has been a, a time to do no work. The rabbis have encouraged their communities, right, to get everything done so they don't have to do any work on the Sabbath. And on Friday nights, everything stops. It doesn't matter if a task isn't finished. It doesn't matter if you were doing something at the moment. At sundown, everything just stops. And then the next day, the people gather together to, to hear the, the Holy Scriptures, to eat and, and to pray together. In the book of Acts, the early church, it picks up these practices in centering themselves in Christ. If you look at the book of Acts, you'll see again and again these stories of the followers of Jesus, that they're finding places to pray and to be together on the Sabbath, and they're, they're gathering where they can preach and share God's story and the story of Jesus with others. Right? Anybody that's gathered with them, they're, they're just sharing this good news. And in the in this times of prayer for these early followers and, and that storytelling, we read multiple times that lives were, were transformed, that people came to know Jesus in those Sabbath moments because they were just gathered together and, and sharing, and there was nothing more important than, than relationships and people with God at the, at the center. So let me invite you just to imagine for a moment, if you have a tree in your house, just imagine yourself sitting in front of the tree if you don't, just imagine yourself in this comfortable spot and imagine that Jesus comes to you with this gift, with, with hands open. And this gift, it's Sabbath. Right? It's this gift that frees you from having, that, having to think that you need to produce anything to be loved by God or to be, to be somebody. It frees you from thinking that you've got to be noticed or, or to have status to have a good story. Imagine this gift is just knowing that your story, whatever is in it, your story matters to God. You are loved by God. A good story is just where God's love lies at the center of it. The practices of Sabbath may look different for each one of us, but at the heart... At the heart, it's finding times in our lives to connect and tell God's story and to recognize God's at work in our stories. And so the question becomes, how will you connect, fully connect to God's story? How will you take time in your life to really reflect on what God is, is doing in and around you? To let your story point to God's story. To make God's story. God's story of creating you is part of this beautiful story of love and hope and redemption and peace. God's story making you part of, part of God's story. 
Sabbath and story are at the heart of the next three months for us at Clay Church. As many of you know, as Andrea shared, we received a a Lilly grant that funds a time of renewal for for me as lead pastor and and for all of us as a a congregation. I'll be practicing Sabbath, letting go of ministry responsibilities for three months and trusting God in that time. In that time, I'll uh, I'll be traveling and and, uh, and connecting to God's story in a variety of ways. I'll be reading a lot to create a, a deeper sense of story connections in my own life. And I'll be writing and journaling to reconnect my story with, with God's story. And then while I'm away from the day-to-day responsibilities of ministry, you're going to have an opportunity to connect your stories with God's stories, to tell your stories as, as part of God's stories. You're going to hear new stories from, from new preachers. I've got to tell you, I'm really excited about all the guest preachers, but particularly excited right now about the, the lineup of preachers in January. Um, uh, it's always dangerous to like, I always think when somebody tells me a movie's going to be really good, and then I go and it's not really good, I'm disappointed. But I can confidently s- sit here and say, um, you're going to hear some wonderful preaching in January. You'll probably hear some stories from the Bible in the next three months that you don't know. It's a way to get deeper into God's story. And I'm really thrilled to uh, share this announcement this morning, a fun opportunity to, to tell our stories. You know how sometimes it's, it's hard to, to really grasp my own story? Or maybe, maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, my story's not anything special or amazing. Um, but see, here's the thing. God works in all of our stories. So we have invited Bill Moore. I don't don't even know the name Bill Moore. Bill was a a longtime columnist with the South Bend Tribune. He's retired now. Um, We have uh, partnered with Bill Moore, and Bill is is going to do a series of interviews of of you all. Anybody who wants to do this uh, will sign up, and Bill will do an interview of you. He'll ask you some questions. He'll encourage you to talk about your life and about ways God has shown up in your life, you could begin thinking about that now. Um, it doesn't need to be like, wow, amazing. You just, you just, we're going to tell Bill about your life, and then Bill is going to write an article from what you've shared with him. Um, you're going to get an email this afternoon uh, to, uh, to take part in this, and I think, hey, it's just a, a neat opportunity to have somebody else listen and hear where, where God has been at work in your stories. Um, and two, uh, I did this exercise when I was in high school for a, a woman who was in her 90s that lived down the street. And, uh, and later, we had the opportunity to give the paper that I wrote to her family. It was this incredible gift for the family. And so you could think of it as well as just an incredible gift for, for you and, and for your family. Um, there, will be, there may be a limited number of stories that he can write and tell. I mean, we're a large congregation, so here's what I would tell you. We're going to try and make it happen for as many people as we can, but you're here today, which gives you a bonus inside angle. Sign up fast. (laughs) So if you think you'd be interested in this, uh, dates will be set after the first of the year, but you can sign up as soon as today as uh, you get that email this afternoon.
I am so, I feel so incredibly blessed. As we have a team in place that's going to be working for even more opportunities like this one to tell your stories, to create those story connections. I feel incredibly blessed that, that as we enter into these three months, we're going to have this opportunity that is about Sabbath, is about connecting to God's story, because your story matters. And even if you're sitting there right now and you're like, I don't, I don't know that I have a story, you have a story to tell. Because you're a child of God. God says every piece of your story matters to me. And just telling your story may affect somebody else because it may be in the, the way that you came to know Jesus or to, came to know God's love. It may be in the questions that you're even asking right now that are part of your story. God is at work in and through your story. Sabbath is finding, is finding that in, in God's story, every detail of our story finds meaning and purpose. So, uh, so here we are, the last Sunday of the year, the Last Sunday before sabbatical, I'm going to invite our creative director, Aaron Hellman, forward. As we're going to pray together for the, for the time ahead, for me, for Clay Church, and Aaron's bringing friends, Leanna and Andrea, our connections director and our, our hospitality director. Here's what I know for certain. God has a lot in store for Clay Church in 2022. And the next three months are going to anchor us in God's story in a, in a way that prepares us to walk with a lot more people toward a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me start us off with a, with a prayer for this time, and then I, I believe that Aaron is going to pray for, uh, for me as well. Let us, let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this day, for this Christmas season as we celebrate the love of Jesus Christ. Your love so, so powerful so real, so much beyond words that you would, you would come and be among us. And God, in the, in the celebration of that love and your story, we know that the story doesn't end with birth. It goes on through resurrection and it goes on into us, into, into your followers, into your church. And so, God, I just pray in these, in these months ahead that we as a congregation, that each person here, each person not with us today that is part of Clay Church, each and every person can come to just celebrate, celebrate your invitation to be a child of yours, can celebrate your, your story being told in and through each and every one of our lives. God, may we connect our stories to your story and find rest and renewal in and through those stories. 
And God, I pray for each of the preachers that are going to to be here, preachers from within our clay community and guests coming in, and just pray that you will speak in and through each and every one of them. And Holy God, I pray that in these in these months ahead, you would just renew us, that your spirit would, would bring new life and new energy into the midst of all the ministry that we're already doing and that lives will be transformed because we'll be telling a story of how you are at work, how you are present, a story of your hope and your goodness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sounds good. <laughs> that was good, Brian. I'm excited for you. I've been excited for you to do the sabbatical ever since you first mentioned it as an idea two or three years ago. Um, I was going to say I don't know anyone who deserves this uh, more than you, but uh, the truth is I don't know anyone who needs it more than you. Um, I have never seen anyone sacrifice so much of their time, their comfort, and uh, if we're honest, sometimes your own well-being for the cause of ministry. You are good at so many things, preaching, teaching, leading, casting vision, being imaginative, and here's the thing, you don't get to do any of those things (laughs) for the next three months. In fact, the thing you have to do for the next three months is the thing that we've talked about that you are the worst at. I feel like I'm getting a lecture. A little bit. That was the plan. So I'm going to pray for you. Uh, We're all going to, the four of us are going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to invite the congregation to put a hand out. Uh, Join your spirits and mine as, as we pray for Pastor Brian. God, we lift up our friend and our pastor to you. We know that you have entrusted this congregation to him. And now we pray that you would free his heart to trust this congregation to itself for a little bit. Help him to know that you've got this under control, that you hold all of us, this church, this place, and this people in the palm of your hand, that you're going to take care of everything here so that he can be rested and refreshed and reconnected so that he can remember that first before anything else, he is yours that you love him, that you care for him, that you're holding him the same way that you're holding us. So we pray for the next three months, God, that you would speak peace and joy and comfort into his heart, that you would help him to get good rest, good refreshment, and that you would bring him back energized and excited for a new season of ministry. But don't let that be the thing that fills his mind right now. Instead, give him peace and comfort and joy, some quiet, some rest and the fullest, fullest measure of your presence. I pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Amen. And get some sleep.